Welcome to the Jonesing for News podcast. Now from the studio along Florida's first coast, here is your host, Scott Jones. Thank you, Billy. Uh, it is great to be back with another podcast uh, for this Tuesday. I'm actually recording this on Monday, um, but Tuesday is going to be podcast day. The Jonesing for News podcast is uh, the plan is to put it up uh, each and every Tuesday and then uh, reevaluate down the line and see where it goes. Uh, so that's what we're going to do. And, uh, also I got a new microphone last week, so this microphone should sound a lot better. I am recording this from in the stew and it does not have, um, the best acoustics. So the sound is not going to be perfect. It doesn't sound as good as Billy's does where he's in a professional studio and, uh, I'm stuck here in the stew, but hopefully it sounds better. Uh, also at your guy's suggestion, a number of people, uh, messaged me and said that they did not like the music uh, on the podcast um, underneath my voice because it made it hard to hear me. Um, a lot of people would be more than happy not to hear me at all. But uh, so we've done away with the music and it's just silence underneath. Um, I don't know. Doesn't seem as zen to me, but okay, we're going to do that. So, uh, on Monday, we unveiled the top five best and worst evening news anchors in local news. Um, it was released as a patron-only story because um, I want to keep giving the patrons, uh, you know, a good bang for their buck. And I thought that was a good one. Um, I have to be honest with you, since the pandemic has hit, my advertising dollars, such as... Uh, my Google AdSense and uh, the other syndicated advertisers has dropped dramatically. Uh, TV stations, you know, if you go and talk to your sales department, there's uh, there is no secret as to um, the advertising uh, dollars have uh, certainly not as good as they were. Um, and you know, just to give you an idea, I would have uh, advertising that would pay you two dollars per CPM, which is $2 cost per milli or $2.50 or $3 cost per milli, which is cost per thousand people. So a thousand people that see that ad, I would get two bucks or I would get three bucks or four bucks. And since the um, pandemic has started, I watched that drop all the way down from, from over $3 to 22 cents per thousand. So you can see it had a dramatic impact uh, on keeping this site up and running. But uh, thankfully, a number of you have become patrons of FTV Live, and that is huge. Um, and that helped pay the bills and, and is helping, continuing to help to pay the bills. And I like uh, the patrons. I like it for a number of reasons. And then when I look at the patron list, um, it's like a who's who in TV news. I mean, some of the biggest names in TV news our patrons of FTV Live, and some of what I would consider the best journalists in TV news are patrons of FTV Live. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, and for some of you people, you probably don't even know this, back when FTV Live launched way, way back, uh, oh damn, almost 20 years ago, it was a pay site, which meant that the only way you could read FTV Live was you had to pay money and go in and um, you had to, you know, it was like a monthly fee. Um, 
uh, or I think you could pay yearly. I think I had yearly in six months as well. But that was how um, you read FTV Live. And back in 2013, um, so seven years ago, God, it does not seem like seven years ago, uh, I took FTV Live out from behind the paywall. Um, and a number of people that were members of FTV Live forever, subscription members that were paying, always said, you know, hey, I'd love to continue to support you. I love what you do. And I always felt weird about them like sending a check or, you know, sending me, you know, whatever, Venmo, some money. Um, and it just it just seemed weird because they really the site was out there for free. They weren't getting any extra bang for their buck. So that's why I decided to come up with the patrons where you can still read, you know, most of the site for free. But the patrons get a little extra and they have been great about supporting, you know, supporting me and supporting FTV Live. And I thought it was a great idea to um, offer up the patrons. And it seems to have worked uh, fairly well. I mean, I would love to get some more patrons, but it's still this. The patron game is still pretty new. So I think, um, you know, we continue to get more and more each day and I will continue to offer up more uh, exclusives. I mean, the patrons get a lot of exclusive stories. Um, there's hundreds, literally hundreds on the patron website right now of exclusive stories that you won't see anywhere else. You won't see it on FTV Live and you won't see it on any, any other website as well. So um, I like how that's working and that was one of the reasons I offered up this best and worst anchor list offered up only to the patrons because I feel like you guys have uh, really helped me through some difficult times right now and uh, I wanted to give you something back and it's going to continue because I think we're going to do morning anchors, the best uh, and worst morning anchors in TV news, maybe weekend anchors, reporters, whatever. And I think we're going to offer all those up um, under uh, the patron uh, um, program. So that was what I wanted to do uh, with that. And as I said, it's been great. Uh, what else is going on? Oh, I did a story on FTV Live the other day. I shared a uh, tweet that somebody posted about being ghosted by the news director. And I asked people to send along your ghosting stories. And I, and I got a lot of them. And they're pretty interesting. Uh, I hesitate to putting them on FTV Live only because I don't want to get some of these employees, you know, I don't want to get them in trouble. Um, you know, FTV Live is militant about protecting our sources and uh, will continue to do so. So I did not uh, put those up. But um, it is probably one of the biggest frustrations for um, for anybody that's working in TV news. You you hear about a job. Say you're say you're working at a job. Your contract's coming up. You hear about a job in a great market, one of your dream markets that you wanted to go to, no matter what it is. Uh, you see, there's an opening. You submit your resume. The news director, you end up talking to the news director. They seem like they're very interested in you. And you start to feel, wow, I got this job. And you're excited. You're going to go to your dream city. And your contract's coming up. So everything's working out great. And you kind of put your life on hold waiting for this news director that says, oh, I'll get back to you uh, next week or I'll get back to you in a week or two. Um, and then you never hear from them. And then you call the news director, then they get mad that you're calling. 
Um, and it's frustrating. I mean, it's happened to pretty much anybody that's been in TV for any length of time and has submitted um, a number of resumes. It's probably happened to you. It's happened to, uh, I, I remember, you know, now you have the internet. Now you have email. Now you have social media. You have different ways of reaching out. Um, heck, you have cell phones. I can remember back in the day when uh, I would um, reach out to a news director, think that everything went well, um, said I'm going to hear back from him, and you don't hear back from him, and then you can't get a hold of him because back then, believe it or not, uh, news directors had uh, assistants. They had secretaries. So you would never... It was almost impossible to get past a news director's assistant. Now you call a newsroom for a news director and you get the assignment desk. And a lot of times the assignment desk, they're overwhelmed with calls. So they just put the call through to the news director's office and the news director can decide to pick up the phone or not and you may get through with them. Uh, one thing that I did find back in the day when, when news uh, directors had assistants was I would call right around just as the first block was ending. Because then it was 5 o'clock, the assistant had gone home for the day, the news director's probably in his office, and probably watching the newscast, or at least the good news directors were, so I could get a hold of them that way and decide, you know, and ask them, you know, uh, what's the deal? And sometimes, as I said, uh, the news director is just blowing you off. News directors do not like giving people... Um, they don't like giving people bad news. They don't want to say no... It, it really, in reality, it would help you so much better if they just said, you know what, you're not the person we're going to go with. We're going to go with someone else. And at least you know, and you can get back on with your life. Maybe you sign your new contract with your current station. Maybe you look at other stations. But, but when the news director does do that to you, it is they're a bad news director. I remember when I became a news director, I had dealt with that so much in my career that I, I was decided, I was decided... I decided that I would never do that. And so when I had a job applicant, I would just be straight up with them and say, we're going a different direction. Um, or if I was really interested in them and I still had, you know, say I was going through interviewing some people and uh, I interviewed them, brought them in, I interviewed them and I still had two more people to interview. Um, I would tell the person, I said, look, I got two more people to interview. Uh, I've got one coming in next week. At the beginning of the week, one coming in at the end of the week. And at that point in time, uh, I'm going to make a decision. So if you haven't heard uh, from me by the end of next week or the week after that, call me. I will uh, definitely get back to you and let you know where it stands. Um, but hopefully I'm going to let you know one way or the other in the next week or two. And that way people are not putting their life on hold saying... Um, you know, don't know what's going on. I mean, there was times, I, you know, this goes back being a general manager. I applied for a news director job and I talked to the general manager on the phone. Everything seemed to go great. Uh, I ended up flying out there for an interview. That seemed to go great. And then it was silence. I mean, just total ghosting silence. Uh, and I made a few calls, couldn't get a hold of the general manager. And then finally, um, I was down to like, well, screw this. You know, obviously there, you know, it's been three weeks or might even been a month or it might even been longer than a month. I said, screw this. Obviously they're going a different direction, but I'm going to make a final call to the general manager and, uh, 
see where this stands and just kind of put it on the line and, you know, just say, basically, it's time to shit or get off the pot for you because I'm looking at another job. So what do you want to do? And I called the GM up, got him on the phone. Uh, he made the job offer. Uh, we discussed money. And by the time I hung up the phone, I had the job. So sometimes you're getting ghosted. You think it's all lost. And just by following up with a phone call and continuing to dog them a little bit, um, it works out and you get hired. And that's what happened uh, with me on, uh, on that one time. But I really, I, you know, with email and stuff like that, I know news directors are wimps. They don't want to tell you. They don't want to break you bad news or whatever. But with email, how hard is it for them to send an email, say, hey, thanks, we're uh, going a different direction, and thanks a lot, blah, blah, blah. And you just go from there. But, um, you know, and the thing is, to the news director's credit, sometimes they're trying to feel like uh, it's a female morning anchor job is the job they want to fill, and a male anchor applies because they can't really say in the job listing that it they're looking for a female. Although a smart station will say something like, uh, looking for a morning anchor to complement our male talent, blah, blah, blah. And then people can read between the lines and see whether well, they're looking for a female. Um, so, you know, again, news directors ghosting you in 2020 is bullshit. They shouldn't do that. If you are ghosted by a news director, um, continue to let me know because I have a bunch of stories. And at some point, I may figure out a way to tell these stories um, without getting uh, people in trouble other than the news director that did the ghosting um, and go from there. So, uh, by the way, as you probably know, oh, you know, getting back to my best and worst anchors, um, I do not watch local news. I haven't watched, uh, I don't have cable. I don't have, uh, I don't have access. You know, I watch YouTube. I watch uh, Netflix. I watch, I really don't even watch that stuff. Um, I don't even have a Netflix account anymore. So that's a lie. I don't watch Netflix. I have an HBO Max account that is free because I have a AT&T phone. So, um, and I watch that a little bit. I watch a lot of YouTube, um, but I don't watch local news. So when it came time to the best and worst evening news anchors, I relied solely on you guys to give me the uh, the people that um, are uh, who you think is a good anchor, a bad anchor. Um, and then what I did is I, you know, you get so many, you know, get thousands of nominations and you see the same names popping up over and over again, whether it's on the best list or the worst list. So you can narrow it down that way. Then what I would do is I would call some general managers or some news directors or people in the newsrooms that I know. I pretty much, there's, there's pretty much not many newsrooms around the country when you get into the, you know, the top, the bigger markets, top 30 markets, maybe even top 50 markets. I, it's a good bet that I probably know at least one person in that newsroom, maybe more. Uh, some of the people I've never met, I've met through FTV Live, but I feel like that I can trust them. And and uh, so I'll, I'll talk to them. I'll talk to agents. I'll get the information compiled together. And that's how I came out with the top five best, top five worst. 
It really wasn't my choice. That was your choice. And I just compiled the list together, talked to some experts in the industry, came up with the list, and um, that's how we did it. That's how I got the list. And that's how I get all the lists. Because, again, I, I don't see the newscast in San Francisco. I don't see the newscast uh, in Las Vegas. I don't see the newscast in Kansas City. So I have to rely on the people and obviously you say, well, people have a, you know, they got a bone to pick with somebody. And I agree with that. You know, um, maybe you're the weekend anchor and the main anchor's mean to you and you don't like it. So you say, well, I'll just fire off this thing to FTV Live and I'll say, well, this person's terrible for such and such reason. And FTV Live will make them one of the worst. Well, it doesn't work that way because if I only get one on that one person, uh, obviously, I can read between the lines and see what that's all about. So I really do. That's why I ask for these and I get thousands of them. And then, as I said, you see the same names popping up on the best list and the worst list. And then, you know, I back that up by making phone calls to general managers, news directors, executive producers, people in the newsroom, reporters, photographers. Um, you know, it makes that a lot easier to narrow that list down and then come up with a list. Again, it's still subjective. It's subjective in the people that, you know, cast their vote. But so is the presidential election. It's the people that cast the vote decide who's going to be the president. So the people that cast the vote decide who's going to be the best anchor and the worst anchor. By the way, speaking of presidents, um, Trump keeps coming out with this statement that, you know, mail-in voting is going to be ripe for voter fraud, worse than any fraud ever seen in the history of elections and everything else. And I wonder, why does he think if mail-in voting is going to be ripe with fraud, what makes him think that it's going to be fraud via the Democrats? Um, you know, you look at the Republicans, you look at his White House spokesperson uh, who cast a ballot uh, in Florida in the last election. She cast an absentee ballot. Um, from her parents' house, even though she did not work in Florida or live in Florida. You look at Trump. He cast a vote a ballot in Florida uh, using Mar-a-Lago as his home address. Um, hell, the guy that killed George Floyd uh, voted. He's a Minneapolis police officer, or was, and he voted in Florida in the last election. Now, how does a guy that works and lives in Minneapolis vote uh in the last election, and he voted Republican. So Trump keeps coming out with this whole thing about how it's going to be ripe with fraud, but most of the cases seem to be um, that look a little bit hinky uh, or are totally hinky, like the cop from uh, Minneapolis, um, are, are dealing with Republicans. And then if we look at the last election and the vote tampering that was done by Russia, uh, whether it was done on behalf of the Trump campaign or not behalf of the Trump campaign, but it was done um, to help Donald Trump get elected. So when you say that mail-in voting is going to be ripe with fraud, um, first of all, I don't think it will be because absentee ballots work very well all the time, and that is mail-in. Um, and second of all, if it's ripe with fraud, uh, I, you know, history shows me that that fraud 
uh, may be more geared towards Donald Trump than away from him. But um, whatever, that's it. And I'm sure uh, Sean Hannity and the rest at Fox News. By the way, Fox News, did you see that Judge Jeannie uh, came out uh, talking about masks and saying what a, what a joke masks were and basically says, oh, well, here, you know what? I'll tell you what. Let me, let me try and play this. Joe Biden. Here we go. Gonna talk, she's going to talk about Joe Biden. Let's play this. Joe Biden is afraid of him. He'll use a pandemic. Uh, I think it's hysterical when he and his wife come out together and they're wearing their masks. You know, they're, they've been housed together since the pandemic started and they're wearing masks together when they come out. Uh, yeah, they're coming out into the public. So they put a mask on. Doesn't mean they're wearing a mask at home. Um, you don't wear a mask at home with your family. But when you go out, why wouldn't you put a mask on? So I don't get that one. But then she goes on to talk about how masks are dehumanizing. Uh, listen to this. What is the point of a mask? The point of a mask is to basically kind of dehumanize. It's to, you know, frighten people. You don't know who's behind the mask. It's to give people cover. You don't know who's behind the mask. Um, I go out. I go to the store. I run into my friends. They're wearing a mask. I'll be at Target. I'll run into a friend wearing a mask. I know who it is. I know I know who it is behind the mask. Um, and the mask is not there to dehumanize and do all the stuff that Judge Jeannie is saying. The mask is there is to protect people. That's it. That's the reason it's there. Um, but Judge Deeney says it's there to frighten people. You know what frightens me? When I walk into Target and somebody's not wearing a mask. That's what frightens me. The people wearing a mask don't frighten me at all. But that's what she thinks. Let's see what else she says. It's exactly what the, the anarchists and the protesters need. You know, it strikes fear. There's something going on. There are all kinds of subliminal messages to that mask. Really? Um, well, you know what? I have to be honest with you. Uh, I wear the mask when I go out, and I uh, haven't uh, gone and uh, burned a building or done anything else. I haven't tried to hide behind the mask. As I said, my friends that see me know that it's me. Um, so, Judge Deeney, you're full of shit. <laughs> That's it. You're full of shit. And that message from Fox News uh, has come down for so long about people that should not wear masks. And now you got people that won't wear a mask. They refuse to do it. This should have never become political. If right at the beginning, you know, Donald Trump and, and Fox News went on the air and said, we need to wear the mask, um, we would not be where we are today when it comes to the pandemic. Um, you know, just follow the science. The science says the mask works. Is it a cure-all? Absolutely not, but it works. And so I think that, um, you know, now you have people at Fox News that have kind of changed their tune a little bit. The president has kind of changed his tune publicly when he's speaking, but then yet he still uses it to diss people that wear a mask and, and kind of make fun of the mask or whatever. So he still doesn't, uh, I mean, he's just doing what his people are trying to tell him to do. It would have been great if he signed on to this at the beginning. We would have never been where we were. The idea that the mask became political. 
if it just right at the beginning, if you just, as soon as this pandemic got together, you get a room, I think back to Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill. You know, Tip O'Neill was a Democrat, the Speaker of the House. Reagan was president. They didn't, you know, they certainly had a difference of opinion, but they, they God, they went to bars together. They, they met together to try and um, come up with ideas, um, you know, for bipartisan support. So think about as this pandemic was coming this way, and we knew it was coming this way. I mean, the idea that the United States has got the highest, you know, COVID-19 cases in the world is ridiculous because we got more notice than most of the rest of the world. It started in China uh, or in that area, uh, and it came across Europe, and it jumped the pond, and it came to the United States. But it took a long time to get here. We saw it was coming. We knew it was coming. Um, and yet we did nothing about it, the, the powers to be. Imagine this. Just imagine if this is what happened. Back in January, as you saw that the um, pandemic was coming our way, which every, every expert, everybody knew. I mean, I wasn't an expert. I knew it was coming our way. Um, I think most of you did. Anybody that has half a brain knew that it was coming. It wasn't just going to go through Europe and stop. Um, so it was coming our way. So imagine if Donald Trump uh, called um, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and then reached out into the community for like Sean Hannity. Sean Hannity would be fine. Uh, Rachel Maddow reached out to all these people, got them in a room and said, look, this thing that's coming is bad. And what we need to do is we really need to all get together and take this head on. We can't make a political line in the sand and turn this pandemic, this global health pandemic, into a political fight that we all need to be on the same page. And if people walked out of that room and realized that everybody was going to preach the same message, do you think we would have the, do you think Florida would have 500,000, almost 500,000 cases of the coronavirus? Do you think we'd have 150,000 people dead? No. I mean, it wouldn't have stopped it, but it would have surely slowed it down. And, um, and now, you know, you can't get people to wear the mask. I go to Target, there's a sign on the door that said mask are required. I go in, most of the people have mask on. But there are, there's always, I always run into people, more than one, in the store that don't wear masks. Um, and all of them, you know, I've seen people in the store with, uh, you know, Make America Great Again hats not wearing a mask. So it, you know why they're not wearing a mask. I mean, it's a, it's a political statement for them. This should have never been political. And uh, it's sad that it has been that way. Um, and if you don't wear a mask, uh, you're really just a freaking idiot. That's it. Um, you know, there may be the few um, people that say I can't wear it for medical reasons, although I don't understand that. You, uh, I put a mask on, I can still breathe. Um, so I don't, I don't know if I buy that. But let's, let's give the one hundredth of one percent the benefit of the doubt that they can't wear a mask. That doesn't mean every time I go to Target, uh, I should see somebody or two, three people not wearing masks. But they just do it because this has become political. It never should have been political. 
Uh, now people are, our families are deciding, do they send their uh, kids back to school or not? Um, I can assure you that if I had school-aged children, uh, I would not be sending them back to school in this. I just, why? Why would you take that risk? Why would you take the risk? It's like if, if uh, Billy uh, down the street is 16 years old and he just got his driver's license. He's had it for, you know, three or four days and he drives up to your door and he, and he wants to take your 16-year-old your daughter out on the town um, in his brand new, you know, with his brand new driver's license. Are you going to let him go? I'm not. Um, and, you know, let's let Billy drive a little bit longer. Let's make sure that he's safe. I'm not going to just do it. So why... Why are you going to send your kid off to school um, when we don't know what's going to happen? And it's not even the kids is bad. And, and, you know, bottom line is the coronavirus has not been around long enough for us to know what the impact is on children or anybody else that has had it. I mean, nobody's had the coronavirus yet for a year. So we don't know the long-term effects. I mean, you hear the talk about hearing loss or brain damage or whatever. Is it short-term? Is it long-term? We don't know. So do you really want to risk sending your kid back to school to make that decision um, if they get the virus? And as a teacher, um, I, I, you know, I'll teach all day online. I'll do whatever I have to do, but I'm not going back into the classroom. And, you know, I get it. Everybody has to make that decision. If you make the decision to send your kids back to school, that's your decision. I, I hope to God that it all works out for you. I hope it works out for their teacher and I hope everybody is safe. Um, and I would love to be completely wrong that this will not be a problem, but I think it is going to be a problem. And, um, but the bottom line is mask will help. The great news about masks and kids, especially little kids, is kids love putting on the mask. If you get your kid, if you get your six-year-old a Spider-Man Spider mask or a Batman mask or a Superman mask, they love putting it on. So getting the kids to put their mask on is not a hard thing. It's probably going to be a little tougher with teenagers, but it's not hard to do with the smaller kids. So getting the kids to wear a mask is great. The problem is the parents, uh, some of them are complete idiots, don't want to wear a mask. And if you don't, you're an idiot. That's it. You're an idiot. If you disagree with me, fine. I'll tell you what, don't listen to my podcast anymore. Don't read FTV Live anymore. I don't care. You're an idiot, okay? End of story. Put the freaking mask on and just wear it. Um, you know, save somebody's mom. Save somebody. Uh, do the right thing. Uh, quit making it all about you. So anyway, you know what? I better stop now before I get really hacked off. <laughs> so... Um, this started out kind of talking about TV news and then went into a mass debate. And I don't want to go into a mass debate, but I feel like, um, you know what? It has to be told, uh, at least to some people. So that's going to wrap it up for the Jonesing in, uh, Jonesing for News podcast. Jonesing in, Jonesing in mask. Uh, it's going to wrap it up for the Jonesing, uh, for News podcast. I'll see you back here again next week and, uh, keep those cards and letters coming. Well, really the emails. Uh, I appreciate appreciate your feedback and uh, keep wearing the mask. Thanks.